Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I invite you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could leave a rating and review for today's podcast. She is an amazing individual and an outstanding leader in healthcare. Her name is Lucia Savage. She's the Chief Privacy and Regulatory Officer at Omada Health, where they're using data for health, science, and innovation. They're doing some pretty amazing things, but the beautiful thing about Lucia is that she has just a rich history of healthcare leadership where she spent some time as Chief Privacy Officer at the Office of the National Coordinator for Health IT. She was a Senior Associate General Counsel at United Healthcare, and she's done other things in different areas of healthcare that really give her a unique perspective across the payer mindset across different stakeholders that include government as well as private business. And so it's super exciting to have you on the podcast today, Lucia. I just want to open up the mic, welcome you, and help you fill in any of the gaps of that intro. Thanks so much, Saul. I'm really happy to be here today. And the only other thing I would say is that as we go through this, you might find some interesting and fun facts about me. And I think that the IT expert community, the health IT expert community in the U.S. is got some pretty fascinating backstories. And if you meet people in real life, you should always ask them questions about their backstories. Nice. I like that. That's a good tip. And so maybe why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory? I guess I'll say two things. I mean, I have a real passion for what I do because I've been able to kind of see it in action in my own family. I'm of a generation where I take care of kids and elders. And I could just figure out, wave some magic wand and make it easier for all the caregivers to get the information they need to advocate for their people every day. That's what I would start with. And it it ranges from, you know, people with profoundly ill family members to people who just want to get an immunization record for a camp form. Yeah, that's definitely a, a big topic in healthcare. And what got you into healthcare to begin with, Lucia? Well, I actually was working as an attorney at the time that HIPAA was enacted. So been doing this for a pretty long time. And I was in the compliance office at Stanford University. And I had a portfolio that was a mix of defined benefits and deferred comp and healthcare. And it was the 90s. And people were trying to fix healthcare then. And it just was very attractive to me, this mix of economics and psychology and public policy and law. And I really saw firsthand through that role a lot of the things that I thought were not working very well. Stanford was a great place to be exposed to all of that. That was in Alan Entoven's. That was, you know, Hillary Care, Alan Entoven, if you remember back then. Oh, yeah. And it just seemed like such an interesting area to work in. And I know I have colleagues who still do the deferred comp, and that's what makes them excited about work in the morning. But I was very attracted to the opportunities to make some real change in healthcare. Yeah, and, and obviously you've had some major staying power. You've stuck through many years. What would your synopsis be of, of the last 15, 20 years, how we've come since then, the improvements, and then maybe the opportunity that's still ahead? Sure. Well, if you remember, HIPAA was enacted to force billing to Medicare in a digital format, sort of to take advantage of the coding systems. And if you've never had Dr. HIPAA on your podcast, he would be somebody to dig up. But I think that we've really managed to 
bring that promise to fruition because we've digitized so much more data in the healthcare system. We've created these really great channels for both putting the information where it needs to be and also how to analyze it, taking advantage of advances in computing. And we can have a lot of discussion about has interoperability gone far enough and many things in that space. But where we've come from 1997 to the present is really amazing. On the other hand, we have um, not really created information that empowers the consumer and given the consumer a feeling of power to use the information that's out there. So I've been watching today's trades about transparency and pricing information, and we've made huge strides, but it's still not at a place where it's easily usable by individuals who are now more financially responsible than ever for their own health care. So I think transparency we got a ways to go. And a really great summary there. So thank you for that, Lucia. What would you say if, if you had to do a, a kit that included maybe three or four streams of data that would be useful for patients, what would you summarize those three or four things? Well, it's a hard question because for people who are caring for profoundly ill individuals, the data is complicated and voluminous yeah. and need a lot more of it. So I think it really depends. Whereas for your average consumer who's healthy, you maybe just want what you need to manage your life. And so you really have to think from a policy perspective, which path are you pursuing? So for me, I think the game changer would be making it easier for whichever individuals want to get their own data to do so, to cause a little bit better balance between supply and demand. The supply is out there, but the demand isn't. So we need to figure out how to enable consumers or empower consumers to really make demands for their information and not be overwhelmed by the complexity of the healthcare system if we're going to empower them. That's, I would pick the path that gave the most consumer, the increased consumer demand the most. Got it. Yeah. And it's more of a opportunity for those that actually want to take advantage of it to actually have access to it. And then maybe from there, it's a domino effect that's created through just those that know can now teach. And then exactly. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. I love it. If I could just add one more thing, I also think that we're kind of on the cusp of a generational change. So I think that the millennials, as they become parents or become caregivers of elders, And, you know, the tail end of the baby boom, we really have a different kind of perspective. We have different levels of patience Mm -hmm. and we have less willingness to healthcare system operate for us. We want to be the operators of our healthcare. And I think that's going to be a big game changer. I used to say when I was at ONC that at the end of the day, my kids who are in their early 20s, when they have children, they are not going to wait 20 minutes on a phone to make an appointment. (laughs) Give me the app. (laughs) <laughs> Make, well, kind of exactly. And you app. see that beginning to come, but you also have, you know, right. our most the people running the healthcare system are not of that generation. And maybe they've acquired their technical expertise sort of after the fact, as opposed to growing up as digital natives. So I think as the digital natives become leaders more in healthcare management, you'll mm-hmm. see things start to change. Oh, that's super interesting. I definitely see it happening already. And I think it's definitely going to be powerful. So I think that's a really, really interesting observation that you've shared. All the conversations that we have on the Outcomes Rocket, Lucia, there's leaders like you that think about these things every single day. And if it's one little tidbit that you shared that resonates with the listener, then, then our mission has been fulfilled here. And so on that topic, what do you think leaders today should be thinking about? Healthcare leaders, what should they be thinking about? Well, I think they should be thinking about this generational difference and they should be paying attention to the way the 
Gen X and the millennials and whoever the people are who are teenagers now communicate and they should be becoming facile and comfortable with those forms of communication. Um, and of course, in healthcare, we have complicated security issues. And I know everyone today is thinking about their Intel chips, but good healthcare depends on good communication between the providers and the people who are ill or their caregivers. And so we've got to be communicating in the way people actually communicate. And I think it's really, really interesting that now, Lucia, you, you know, you sort of, you practice what you preach, you know, right now you're, you're making a, a move. You're going to be in the West Coast where these shifts are, are happening. I had a guest on the podcast not too long ago, Jonathan Kaplan. He's a plastic surgeon and he's Snapchatting about his surgeries. And this was never done before. And he's on the, on the edge there, but he's doing it. And he's, he's resonating with the people that are coming up with these millennials. Well, you know, as a HIPAA expert, I have these personal experiences all the time. And right as I left ONC, I had an opportunity to kind of field test for myself how easy it was for me to get my data out of the healthcare system. And I had a dialogue with my doctor's office through the portal about how could I get the notes from a visit. And I said, why don't you paste them into the portal and then I'll just download them. And she said, and I quote, HIPAA doesn't allow me to do that. Now, I don't have the fancy business card anymore, so it's harder for me to have that argument. Uh, okay. So I said, okay, why don't you print them, put them in an envelope and seal it, and I'll come to the office and pick them up, which, of course, is the functional equivalent of an identity-proofed electronic login. Yeah. Only I have to get in my car and drive. Right. And what did, so, and what did the doctor say? And she yeah. said, oh, absolutely. I'll, of course, I'll do that. Gotcha. So- Right. How do we get our healthcare professionals again, sort of, you know, you've got this plastic surgeon using Snapchat, hopefully with only his patients. Oh, absolutely. Um, only patients and signed consent. Exactly. But we have to sort of think it through and figure out how to get our providers comfortable with all of the capabilities and risks of the new digital environment. For sure. Yeah. No, this is a really fascinating story that you shared. And I'm glad that you were able to get your information, even though it was in the paper mode. But it's an interesting story. <laughs> you, should, you should blog about this. This would be a, an interesting blog. I actually wrote about it for the Journal of AHIMA. So that's oh, the American Health Information Management Association, which is the journal of the people who run the system document rooms. So it, it's a public article? Yes, and it's up. To, it's uh, the link is on my LinkedIn page. Ah, oh, sweet. So, listeners, I'll definitely be sharing that with you. Take a look at that. I mean, just this, these experiences and the roads that uh, Lucia has gone down and with her experience and her and her mindset. I think you'll really appreciate it. It's one that I'll definitely pick up because uh, they may be a little one or two things that you pick up from her little blog that that you didn't know before. So, thanks for sharing that, Lucia. You're welcome. So let's talk about Omada Health and maybe dive into a couple things that you guys are up to and how you guys are improving outcomes. Well, so just so your listeners know about Omada, I think a key thing for me in joining Omada was the business model it has always had, which is our customers pay us only when we achieve certain health outcomes. So you could have a digital behavioral modification service like ours and you could pay per lesson or you could pay per month. But our customers pay us when our participants lose weight and complete lessons. And I truly believe in an outcomes-based model. I've been working on that in various capacities since 2003 full-time. And it was very attractive to me to be at an organization that has really put its money where its mouth is relative to paying for value. And then the other thing I think that's important for listeners to know about Omada is we use digital tools to do that. And it's the digital tools that tell us when we've hit those value indicators. So for example, 
a fundamental piece of equipment in the Omada program is a cellular enabled scale that each participant receives at their home that's securely tagged to their account. You cannot lie about your weight. And the scale weights tell us you know, how your weight trajectory is doing and many other things about the data platform we have help us give people who need more help the help they need and people who are clearly succeeding in the program on their own because they have their own motivations, just let them go and we don't bug them. And so it really helps us customize the program, all of this electronic data we're getting in. And I think that in traditional healthcare, partly because the systems are old and partly because the data is more complicated, there's still more opportunities for traditional healthcare to take up those kinds of opportunities for a dashboard that a nutritionist or somebody who's a practice extender in a physician's office can look at every day and go, oh, I need to reach out to this person, but not that person, because I can see from these data points what their health status is. Yeah, that's super interesting. And listeners, if you go to the omadahealth.com site, you'll see just front page, welcome to the start of a life-changing journey. There's a box right at the doorstep, kind of like the Amazon feel. And it says, your gear is here. Let's get started. And these things that Lucia is sharing is that they don't get paid unless they deliver results. And if you're a provider out there looking for somebody that's willing to do risk-sharing programs like this one, I think Omada is, is a company that you definitely have to consider in your chronic disease management, as well as the taking care of patients through the continuum of care. Would you add anything to that? Well, the other thing I'd say is, yes, the box is cool and everyone likes getting it and it's super exciting. But I think that you know, obviously there's some people who really need an in-person program where they go to every day and there's 86 million pre-diabetics. So there's plenty of people for all of us to serve. But for the people who really engage in this digital communications platform, they seem to get so much out of it. We hear so much feedback about being able to communicate with their cohort. We group people together, how they're communicating with their coach. The story I like to tell is if you're learning nutrition through your Omada lessons and you're at the grocery store, and you're, not, you're hungry because it's six o'clock and you just got off work and you're not quite sure how to change your grocery list, you can message your coach and your peers right there from your phone. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. How cool is that? The access yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Instead of calling, setting up an appointment, you have immediate access right there. Or waiting a week for your next in-person lesson. No, I think that's beautiful. I think that right there is a, is a differentiating feature. And just as folks try to innovate, oftentimes it's stuff that's already in place and folks like Omada have the pathways. It's just about collaborating with the right people. And you guys have been doing a lot of building, Lucia. What would you say up to this point has been a, maybe a setback that you guys have run into that you learned a lot from? So I think there are a couple things. So Amada is built on a clinically proven method that we turned, we applied a digital platform to deliver the method. And so that's kind of a key feature as well that we really had, there's a lot of clinical science from NIH studies to other studies by CMS about how effective this works. I think for us, we are super enthusiastic about digital technology. And from my perspective in regulatory affairs, I think we are still dislodging myths about digital technology and patients. Who uses it? How effective is it? Why is it different? Is the record keeping reliable, et cetera? And so that's just kind of an ongoing educational process. Yes. That's, so I wouldn't call it a failure. I would call it, it's kind of like a headwind. Yeah, for sure. 
That's interesting. And so have you come up with any best practices from running into these headwinds? I think one of the things Omada has been doing really well is kind of creating a team that uh, brings together technologists and people who are very experienced in the healthcare system. And it's through the internal dialogue we have that we help not only identify what the headwind is, but what the right tactic is to address it. You know, how do you effectively explain to the FDA or to the Office of the Inspector General at CMS how your data collection systems work? Yeah, a very insightful response, depending on who is to receive the response. Exactly. And again, if you're describing that to a customer, you know, we are a provider, we provide a healthcare service, we do it through a digital platform. So another headwind we have is trying to explain that we're not software as a service. We're actually a healthcare provider supplying therapeutics through a digital platform. My goodness. Yeah, you're right. And you don't know what you don't know. And when you're faced with, obviously, Lucia, you have the background and the, and the savvy to be able to understand that there's legal legalese that needs to be filtered through and responses need to be a certain way. And we don't know what we don't know as leaders in healthcare. And so we got to figure out the most insightful and right ways to respond so that we, we don't waste time, especially if you're a company, if you're running with money from a venture fund, hey, you know, money is time and you can't be doing things willy-nilly. So these are some real good insights from Lucia. Would you agree, Lucia? I would, and I would just say one more thing, particularly for people who have new ideas. I think healthcare is crying out for creativity, but we can't really break healthcare because it's, it's set up in many ways the way it is to make sure people don't get further harmed. So what you need to do is take the creativity of the idea and find a lawyer who's just as creative, who can help you use the environment we have to launch your product, which is something Omada did way before I uh, came on board, as opposed to kind of ignoring what happens in that space. If you want to create an app that interoperates with electronic health records vendors, how do those rules really work and how can you take advantage of them and leverage them instead of trying to push through them? That's so, so insightful. I've been in, in situations where I've dealt with legal counsel and, you know, hey, I just, they tell you, I, don't, I, don't, I just want to give you a heads up. I'm an attorney. I need your attorney here as well. And it's amazing what happens when you have two attorneys in the room. Things happen. Like versus if it's just you and, and an attorney, it just things don't happen and there's you become a third party and yeah, what a great what a great insight. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about an exciting project that you guys are working on today. Well, I think probably the biggest project we're working on right now, without getting into too many details, is obviously growth is super important for us and we had a we've had a really, really good year in that respect. From my perspective, how do we automate the data that we need to share to prove our outcomes? So obviously we have for years sent our clients secure Excel files, but what happens when we create an API and how many clients can we leverage off of that API and what can we stand up on it? So my job is, you know, all the legal rules in place and I see that API as a potentially a security vector and just another delivery method of something that you're allowed to or not allowed to share. But again, that automates it. Once there's an initial investment, it's actually easier for everybody. And then you have a sort of a uh, reduce the time lag. So that's something I've really been working on is how do we automate um, all the ways that we share data, whether it's with individuals or with our customers or, uh, you know, someday the government will have an API for um, DPP filings. 
Yeah, that's exciting. At the end of the day, we're measuring outcomes here. And if you're working with somebody that is getting paid based off of your results, and if you don't get them, you don't get paid, automating it is really, uh, I think, a, a really smart thing to do. And so uh, I'm excited to see where, where that goes, Lucia, and, and how valuable it will be. I, I just imagine that it will be very valuable for your organization and your customers. Yeah, I think that's definitely true. And I think that for um, younger startup companies, this is really something that's worth thinking about because a legacy software system, it's much harder to automate those activities as opposed to a system where you have a cloud-based program and your software is amenable to engineering and API. Now I'm getting a little bit out of my you know, my ballpark, but this is what the engineers tell me. Uh, <laughs> and I, really tr- I love working with the engineers and I trust them. But right, it could be a really important differentiator for a younger company is how they share data, how easy they make Mm -hmm. it. And at the same time, of course, younger companies have to prove themselves more than mainline companies. So there's obviously balancing acts there. Yeah, no, really powerful, really, really powerful message there. So if you're a startup, listen to this again. Rewind and listen to this again because these are some huge, huge pieces of value. So thank you, Lucia. Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine, the 101 or the ABCs of Lucia Savage. And so we've got a syllabus right here, Lucia. Four questions, lightning round style, followed by a book. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think it's to listen to the patient's needs and wants and their constraints. An example would be drugs. If you don't know what's paid in their formulary and you prescribe something they can't afford because of their formulary structure, for sure not going to take it. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think the regulations in the healthcare system can be burdensome, but don't overreact to them. Sort of back to that idea of they mean something for a very good reason and they've been created with a lot of input. How can you leverage them? insightful. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? So at Omada, we really try to be the drivers of change, which is partly my role. And we have other people who also work in the advocacy role. And I think that certainly try to drive change or lead change instead of following in the tail of it, because you'll never keep up if you're in the tail. What's the one area of focus that should drive everything else in the organization? Well, I think it's your vision, right? So at Omada, we have a vision of we want to become ubiquitous. We want to serve 2 million Americans by 2020. And that's only two-tenths of a percent of the pre-diabetes population, but it's still a lot of people. So that's, for us, it's what's your long-term goal and how do you get there? That should be your pole star. Yeah, listeners, don't chase the change. Just focus on your vision and your goals. And like Lucia, she's very focused on this vision of what could be. And with that, the change comes. Lucia, what book would you recommend to the listeners? So I thought a lot about this. And it's actually a timely book. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend a pair of books. So if you've gone to see the movie about the Washington Post, you'll have seen Catherine Graham being played by Meryl Streep. But she actually has a wonderful biography called A Personal History, which that movie is adapted from. And I would pair that with a book by Jill Kerr Conway called The Road from Corain. Conway was the first president of Smith, woman president of Smith College, and she's a historian. But the thing that makes them interesting is their books cover the same time period of sort of the latter half of the 20th century as a professional woman making your way career-wise in America. And I think they're full of wisdom. Sounds so interesting. (laughs) And just on a fun note, I am a hobby, hobbyist gardener, 
And so oh, the book cool. I always refer people to about vegetable gardening is called How to Grow More Vegetables Than You Thought Possible in Less Space Than You Thought Possible. It's you're about need that in San gardening. I have a garden in my house in San Fran. And <laughs> okay. if you're interested in, you know, having better nutrition in your life and getting some exercise casually, vegetable gardening is 100% the way to go. I love it. What is your favorite vegetable? Of the ones I grow, it's kind of a toss-up between corn and tomatoes. Oh, nice. Very nice. Sounds like you can make a really good corn tomato salsa. I could, but I usually just eat the corn. Oh, okay. Got it, got it. Um, You're in Chicago, <laughs> land of great corn. That's right. We got plenty of corn here, baby. We love to throw it on the grill, and it makes for a nice, uh, definitely, you know, just plain. We love to just eat it off the grill, yep. and it makes really nice. Lucia, yep. this has been a lot of fun. And listeners, again, Ask if you run into somebody with IT background, ask them about their backstory. You see, Lucia is so interesting. You never know what you're going to learn from your friendly friends in IT and legal. Go to outcomesrocket.health slash Lucia, L-U-C-I-A. And you're going to find all of the show notes as well as the syllabus that we just created for you and links to the books that she recommended. Lucia, if you can, just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they can get a hold of you. Well, of course, people can always follow me on Twitter, Savage Lucia, and uh, I have a, a LinkedIn profile where I post my personal thoughts and whatever I'm publishing these days outside of my work for Omada. And I am happy to uh, be approached when you see me in public. I met you at Health 2.0. I'm going to be right. at some JP Morgan events next week, and I'd be happy to talk to anyone. Wonderful. And so listeners, the invitations there, take a look at the links and, and the thoughts that Lucia is sharing through her, her writing on LinkedIn. And Lucia, again, I just want to say thank you so much for spending time with us and excited to see what the new year brings for you, for Amada and for all of us. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Paul. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.